Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Our exclusive Fast Friday coverage continues here on IMSA Radio. Uh, we have five practice sessions today for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, uh, including a little sneaky one you might not have noticed. But if you go to RadioLamont.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, you will see uh, free practice five after our Michelin Pilot Challenge race this afternoon. Uh, it is GTP only, so... That is definitely one to be tuned in for around uh, the world and here on 107.9 FM. Joe Bradley and Nick Damon in the in the on the uh, pit lane patrol rather, and up here on the fifth floor, it's Peter Mackay and John Hindhoff. Jeremy Shaw is in the paddock gathering some information, and we'll speak to him uh, later on as we continue our build-up to the feature race today, the BMW M Endurance challenge at Daytona for the Michelin Pilot Challenge. Uh, that's to come, but first we have a, an old skate. Uh, see how many of the cars we get out in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Free practice four as we build to the 61st running of the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. It's live, exclusive, free, unblocked, and without interruption, and it's all here on IMSA Radio. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. A pretty full pit lane, in point of fact, for this. Uh, very, very pleasant weather conditions. The uh, slightly nippy temperature that some of our uh, West Coast colleagues were talking about earlier on, although, frankly, 9 degrees Celsius is... Uh, Almost enough to get me out of my motorcycle back at home. And I tend not to do very much under uh, double figures. Uh, it is uh, 57 Fahrenheit in the air, 88 on the track. So that is, what, 31 Celsius on the track, 14 degrees in the air. This is, your motorcycle would be out. Your motorcycle would be out. My motorcycle would be out on a day like this at this time of the year if we were at home, Peter McKay. Oh, I wish. Yes, I wish. I hope my mother's not listening because if you are listening, Mum, I do not have a motorbike that you don't know about. That's right. Correct. <laughs> Nick Damon. You get me in a lot of trouble there, John. Nick Damon, you'd be you'd be you'd be putting some miles and getting your thousand RR running a little bit at fourteen degrees and oh, nice and dry like this, wouldn't you? One hundred percent. I don't think I've got to get past that magic five hundred mile mark ASAP. So I'd be out. My normal reticence to go out in anything other than a balmy, lovely day with a perfect sun and a, and a trip to Hun Stanton for an ice cream. Nope. I'll be getting the miles down it so I can get that thing, uh, the full tune opened up. Uh, that is Nick Dearman. Which end of the pit lane are you patrolling for? Pit us? out. You are pit out. Okay. Um, uh, you've got a relatively full grid. There are one or two gaps down there. Uh, very, very busy. Uh, and this is indicative of how it's going to be when the cars come into pits. I know they're coming in two stages uh, when it's a yellow flag stop, but there is no room. Most of the cars have to be shoved slightly to a 
uh, an ear of corn echelon like they're starting off uh, Le Mans to get out of the, uh, the pit box. Uh, Joe Bradley is your partner in crime. He is at Pit Inn where the GTPs play. Wasn't all plain sailing uh, for any of the GTP manufacturers, perhaps with the exception of Cadillac yesterday, BMW, uh, Porsche and uh, Acura all in and out of the pits, in and out of behind the wall as well yesterday, Joe. There was a lot going on, wasn't there? And, uh, of course, you know, the GTP era has just begun. These cars are brand new. They've done a lot of testing. But you know what? Any engineer will tell you there's never enough testing. You just can't do enough <laughs> testing. And we saw massive setup changes going on on the pit apron, just in front of the pit wall. Uh, ride heights, roll bars, everything was being swapped around. Um, the BMW, I noticed there, were, there was a lot of uh, attention going on to those two cars. Yet some people are perhaps happier than other people where they are right now. Um, what this session is about for everyone other than the GTPs it's, it's kind of like the last opportunity you've got to cross the T's and dot the I's. And I can assure you, even though the engineers and the drivers have decided on what setup to go for, after the debrief, things may change before tomorrow morning. And, and they haven't got another opportunity to run, so it's going to be roll the dice if you're unhappy with what you've got right now. You've been a team manager, Joe, up to British Touring Car level in the, in the UK. Um, Effectively, this is tomorrow. We don't often in in major series have morning warm-ups now, but effectively that short session for GTP only, that additional session this afternoon after the Michelin Pilot race, that is your morning warm-up. That is your last opportunity, other than the recce laps to uh, out of the pit and, and to the grid. That's that's about all you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? There'll be some people who'll be happy with what they've got right now. They'll go out and they'll find things in this session. And when I say things, what I mean is they'll find a bit of um, extra outer edge of the tyre um, temperature. And, the, the, you know, the engineers will be, like, scratching their head thinking... How, do, how can we bring that down or how can we get that up and they, you know they're never satisfied they're, mm. but there's, there's got to come a time and, and that's key for the, for the guys in charge is when to say to your engineers right this is what we're going to run with you know make that decision because the, the engineers I've worked with they were constantly constantly pushing constantly trying that little bit of advantage gaining performance and of course for endurance racing you're gaining performance balanced with Getting that tyre to last even better during that tyre stint. I, 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 I can just imagine a few teams in the GTP end of the pits and the paddock tomorrow morning having their strategy meeting. And there will be an engineer, Joe, Joe you'll, you'll recognise this, there will be an engineer that'll say, I really think, though, we should just do blah. And yeah, see of course. What, and you go, but we can't test that before the race. Yeah, but you've got 24 hours. It doesn't work in the first two hours. We can always switch it back. Yeah, and of course, the engineers and the drivers, closer to win the little debrief rooms, the crew, they'll, they'll come out with like, you know, 20 minutes to a section and say, all right, we want the ride out changed and a camber change. And it's like, what? we've got 20 minutes, you know, it's not going to happen. And that's when you've got to put your foot down and go, no, go away. It's, it's, it's a bit like when you go to a great restaurant and you have a fabulous menu. The longer you look at the menu, the more difficult it is to make the choice, isn't it? Fear of missing out. Fear, fear, of, be fear, fear of, of better options, and, yeah. And, and you know what? Isn't that the very essence of competition, motorsport competition? You, you, are, you are just always, always pushing. And even when, you know, what? who did we speak to the other day? That was actually on pole. And they were saying, we're trying to find something more. 
It's like oh, that was well, Tom Blomqvist. It was Tom Blomqvist. Yeah, yeah, of course. And they run Paul, and yet they're trying to. I'm, I can understand that because, like we said, early development stage for these cars. So they, you know they know this performance out there, and it's just they're going to push and push and push until they get that optimum performance. And that's probably going to be optimized performance is probably going to be what three or four years, three or four seasons away for these cars because they'll keep pushing until that point. Uh, it took six years to get the best out of the outgoing DPIs. Uh, these DPI 2.0s, for effectively, that's what they are. IMSA were proposing this type of regulation uh, long before we actually got the convergence announced here. This would have been, without the intervention of the global pandemic, this would have been DPI 2.0 probably a little earlier, maybe a year or so, maybe two years. But uh, definitely plenty of performance still to come. We had Thomas Loudon back in here yesterday afternoon. And uh, all of our sessions, by the way, available to download or listen on demand. And he was saying there will be more performance. I can't tell you how much, but there will be more performance. And Nick Damon down at Pit Inn uh, with... Uh, a little bit of a roundup of what's going. Where are you standing, Nick? I'm trying to pick I you out. I am now at the empty uh, number 42 pit of NTE Sport, Lamborghini Dallas. And that's one thing I want to talk about is a couple of cars who had problems yesterday. Uh, this particular Lamborghini, uh, Karen Lee, uh, threw it into the tyres coming oh, yes. through the uh, Le Mans chicane. The chicane is a chicane, and um, unfortunately, that car is still being rebuilt. Um, from what we hear, they're bringing down parts from Tennessee, and it may be built to Evo two stands. It might end up being Evo one and a half, uh, depending on what bits they can find. Um, the 33 Sean Creech uh, uh, P3 car, that is now up and running again after that its engine, engine change, yeah. as is the Andretti um, P3 machine, which is Fuel number leak. 36. That was, that was query a, a few Also fixed. Time, yeah. And I don't know whether you want to do the Winwood Racing 57 story. Oh, yes, that is a very good idea. Um, yesterday, if you were with us, you know we had a, an extended uh, red flag period when LucasArts uh, just dropped his right-hand side at Michelin's onto the dirt coming out of turn one and two. And the car snapped violently sideways and went head-on into the inside wall. Uh, it was quite a tricky extrication. Uh, Lucas was taken to hospital. He has uh, got uh, some cracked vertebrae which are being looked at, but he's awake and alert and he can feel all his extremities. There was a, an official communicate from AMG and from Winwood, and we pass on our best to all of them. Never a nice thing to have on your teammates, uh, obviously to Lucas as well, but also to all the team. They'll be feeling it. It it is almost secondary, Nick. But what is happening uh, with that entry and with the car? Because it's it's my understanding that that car during the extrication uh, had to have some quite severe. Yeah, uh, work put into it that rendered it not race worthy. Yeah, effectively the car is 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 now at best a, a parts car. The, I mean, the key thing is they had to cut the roll cage, um, and once you've done that, the, the integrity of the machine is is hard to retain and, and not at this level. Uh, from our our information is a new car is coming over from Texas, which you know is not it's, it's not just their base actually. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not the shortest of sleps. Let's be honest, it's not like um, you, you break something at Silvers and you have got to get get, get get from Donington. Uh, it's a couple of thousand miles. Uh, they have gone over to pick up a new car from there. Uh, the question is, 
uh, and they are going to get themselves a new fourth driver. As Shay informed me earlier, you have to have four drivers in GTD. Uh, the identity of that fourth driver we have not yet currently had confirmed, but they are intending to start the race tomorrow at 22. Well, they've got a wee bit of time yet. The, the qualification is done. Um, there will be certain parts that they have to swap over between the cars, and the, that just to make sure you, you can't. They can't just bring another car down. Um, well, they could, but I suspect that that would put them at the back of the grid, and they would need the buy-in of everybody else and the okay of everybody else, which I'm sure they would get. But it's it's my understanding that a new shell, a new tub, of is coming over which then will be uh, married with some of the parts of the outgoing car. BMW prototype spinning coming out onto the high bank. 24. Uh, the, now, who is driving that? Uh, the car's just gone machine, out, I think. Uh, looking up down, the, that is uh, Marco Whitman. Was that his outlap by uh, any chance? Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. cool tyres on the outlap. <laughs> Get ready to be seeing that a lot, Peter. Yes, yes, Spin exactly. on the outlap. In fact, can we... Uh, hello, London. Can we Can we have that on a hotkey? Uh, yes. He'd just gone past the 63 Lamborghini, I think, and it was just a tiny bit offline, and as he went back on the power to go up onto the high banks, the laws of physics said, uh, no thanks. I've had that crash on iRacing, because this very car is on iRacing. It has been for the last few weeks, and, uh, yeah, the... I'm sure it's, it, there are differences, but uh, yeah, just even as soon as he asked for the power there, these GTP cars, they've got more power than the DPIs, but also they deliver it in a different way. With that added electricity, they fill the, the you know, norm, anyone who's driven a turbocharged car before will feel turbo lag. You put your foot down, brief moment, and then whoosh, in comes the power. That brief moment is eradicated with the, with the electric uh, fill. So actually the power delivery only to the rear wheels, not all four. Oh, it's, it's aggressive, and uh, uh, we've given a perfect demonstration there by, by Marco. Joe Bradley, down in the pit lane, has moved to the number eight tower prototype team, and the man uh, behind the effort is with him now, John Ferrano. John, you're coming into this 2023 season as reigning LMP2 champions. Does that take a little bit of pressure off you, or does it add? Um, I, don't, I don't think it adds any pressure. Um, I think we're just coming into this event uh, knowing how special this event is um, for me more than any one of uh, the events this year. So the focus really is just on doing a good job here. Uh, the field is so competitive this year that it's it's really going to be a tough. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge, uh, I think, for all of us. Um, so we really have to be on it more so this year than last, I believe. And from last year, John, do you bring anything from that? I mean, does it change the dynamic in the team when you know you guys can do it? You're reigning champions. Does that change the dynamic at all? Well, actually, then just going back to your original question, I think that takes pressure off uh, because we know we can do the job. The, the team is here. I mean, we have so much confidence in this team to perform uh, that we'll be right at the top of, of performance from a team uh, standpoint. So very confident with that respect. Now, I've just come upon you doing some stretches here out back of the garage. I, I would, I, I, that's pretty important uh, to be ready physically when, you, when initially you get in the car. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that goes uh, without saying for every driver. Um, everybody has uh, their own routine. I certainly have my own. So it's, uh, yeah, very important to, to stretch and just start to focus while you're stretching on what you need to do in the car. 
So it's not just about stretching the muscles, it's getting the head right. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. The head right is, is probably more important than the muscles. <laughs> well, I do apologize for intruding, oh, but thanks for talking to us, John. Great to talk to you as ever. John Ferrano with uh, Joe Bradley in the pit lane. This is practice four for the 61st running of the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in 2023. Opening race. And at the top, Alex Lynn with a 36.9. We're expecting, Jeremy's been, uh, and yourself, Peter, have been uh, patrolling the paddock for us and uh, trawling the teams. High 35s to high 36s race pace for Saturday into Sunday? I would say so, yeah. Uh, I think that's where it's going to be. I mean, and the thing is, is that, you know, the Cadillac, the Porsche, the Acura, they're all able of, of doing it, and, and the BMW at a point as well. I think they're more focused on making sure the car runs reliably at this at this stage. But last night in night practice, what really impressed me was that all three Cadillacs, the two Chip Ganassi Cadillac racing cars and the Action Express car, they just pounded out the laps last night and even more than than the others and and with, without without fault that we could see anyway so uh, we're to, over the last few sessions it's great that we've had so many sessions between qualifying and now really getting a good picture and i actually think you know we should we should be very pleased with the the, the running that we've had in, in that top class especially at imsa radio if you'd like to get in touch with us here on the fifth floor peter mckay and john hindoff in this session with joe and Nick down in the pit lane on this fast Friday. Really heavy day for all the teams yesterday. And spare a thought as well for our uh, TV production crew, camera operators, plus, of course, all the volunteers here at the circuit. Exactly the same people were on duty as we went out last night at 9.30, as we're on when we came in at 7.30 uh, on the gates, checking the passes. So a long hard day for them as well and thank you to all of our volunteers whether you're flagging observing, helping to park cars, checking passes, whatever we appreciate that you give your most precious resource so that we can go racing and that is your time Amazing lap time set in the uh, LMP2 class Mikkel Jensen, car number 11 for TDS Racing, a 138.0 What? <laughs> yeah uh, that now, why are we so surprised? Well, that's only 1.2 seconds off the GTP class. So, there's the, there are a few people who I've spoke to who have a little bit of a quiet bet on a P2, causing uh, a little bit of, of trouble for the GTPs. And you can see why with time, times like that. Whether it runs consistently over the course of the race, that's a different matter. The GTP cars are fully filled with factory drivers. The LMP2 car, they have to balance their driver lineup out with uh, less experienced drivers with the, with the top pros, uh, as is the nature of the class. But it, it certainly gives a, a little, keeps everyone sharp. That's amazing time from Mikkel Jensen. 138-0. Wow. Only one Corvette in GTD Pro, the number three Corvette, Tommy Milner. Uh, Tommy, um, does having no, the, the lack of a sister car, does that affect you guys sort of gleaning uh, performance? I mean, I know you were the same last year, but, um, you know, I remember Corvettes when there was more than just one. Yeah, I mean, I think typically having two cars is always helpful. You have a chance to try some things with the setup um, in practice that you don't normally, uh, that, 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 that we don't get now with only one car. So. Uh, from that side, not great, but I mean, the team last year had a lot of data from, from running these cars in this class and tire-wise and obviously last year as well. So 
we felt like we, we started off pretty good, got the car better pretty quickly, and now it's just about uh, yeah trying to squeeze every little bit that we can out of it. Um, yeah, but so far so good. I mean, Antonio and Jordan, it's kind of the, let's say, the easiest, most relaxed 24 hours I've uh, been a part of in a long time with those two guys who obviously been with this program a long time. And, you know, for us, the driver change stuff was super easy and feedback was quite easy with all of us. So um, hopefully that, that plays well for the race. Um, you know, we're a little bit slow kind of compared to kind of the, some of the top guys there, but we'll see. It's a long race, obviously, so we'll uh, push hard. How important is what you've just said there, Tommy? You know, you, it's kind of like a comfortable sofa with your teammates. You've been around with them for so long. Is, is that, do you find that beneficial? You know, the, the know, the know, you know how they work. You know how they think. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, my first laps in the car, it felt like home right away. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like that I've been out of IMSA racing basically for a year. It feels like I've been here all along. So... Um, yeah, from that side, you know, there's no adjustment period, nothing like that. We just hop in and get the job done right away. Um, that obviously helps, especially with only one car. So we'll see, you know, kind of the last last chance here for the last couple tweaks, and then uh, we'll be happy with our race car and go racing tomorrow. And the new car being unveiled today, um, not going to be raced until 24. You being the sort of racing driver I know you are, are you thinking, well, why can't we have that mid-season? Yeah, it would be nice for sure. Um, you know, it's tough, obviously, having a GTE car kind of brought down to the GT3 cars and trying to balance that is obviously a challenge on, on lots of fronts. So to have a full GT3 car with Borat Racing would be great. Um, yeah, I'm excited about, you know, this year is less racing for me realistically, but it'll still be busy with, with a lot of the testing with the GT3 car. Um, we've done it now with this team many times. It doesn't feel like we're developing a... A customer car so to speak yet um, still feels like a normal process for us here at Corvair Racing so from that side it's been the, the same process but I know along the way here we'll have to um, consider all all drivers and all skill levels to make sure that, we, that those guys can get the most out of the car as well. Thank you Tommy I'll leave you to the rest of the session. From Corvair let's head down to Iron Dames with Nick with uh, Dorian Pan. Dorian how, how are you finding your, your Daytona experience so far? Well, Daytona is just fantastic. Uh, it's my first time in USA, so it's uh, it's very special for me. And uh, yeah, uh, the atmosphere here in uh, in the US is uh, is totally different than Europe. So uh, we enjoy uh, a lot, a lot every moment. Um, and yeah, can't wait to start the 24 hours. It's a very different way of going racing here, isn't it? How do you find it? Yeah, it's very different, especially the box and pit lane is very different, but also uh, all the recommendation uh, during the race and uh, pit stop. and Yeah, it's very different, but uh, it's very nice to learn uh, something else. And uh, yeah, You had a fantastic year last year. In fact, you, in Midweek Motorsport, you were voted our Young Driver of the Year. I mean, how, what, what are your aims now in the short term? Your, your career's gone so quickly. Where, where are you looking to be in a year's time? Yeah, last year was a fantastic year. So, um, yeah, this year I will do the IMSA endurance races. So I will learn uh, American tracks um, uh, with our names. So it's a, it's a good project and I'm happy to be part uh, of it uh, this year. And I will do uh, LMP2 in WEC with Prema. So uh, it will be uh, an interesting season for sure. Yeah. 
There is, of course, a big prize at the end of this year because Iron Links, Iron Dames will be driving, will, will have some of the Lamborghini LMDH cars. When do you think you'll get a chance to drive one of those and do you think you'll have a chance to be one of the drivers next year? Well, um, we will see this season, but uh, for sure it will be uh, the goal for, for the next years. But uh, I will give everything and learn as much as possible and I hope I will get uh, an opportunity in the future yeah, to drive in hypercar. Gloria, thank you very much. Um, what no one could see there, because his radio was the massive smile on her face when she mentioned the LMDH. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a bit of a, a wrap-up, John, on the uh, Winwood story we were discussing a few minutes ago. Um, news has come through that actually it's almost certain to be Daniel Morad who will replace Lucas out. Daniel already in the team, and I believe, is he running in the pilot challenge as well? Uh, yes, he is, for Winwood. Yeah. Um, so, uh, definitely... That would make sense. Uh, in fact, that was Shears. Thank you, Nick. That was Shears' pick this morning at, uh, at breakfast. Uh, that would make sense. Somebody who has experience of the team and indeed that car. Just a bit of a run on by the Andretti Autosport LMP3 uh, car at the International Horseshoe a moment or two ago. Just want to go back to uh, both of those interviews. Well, let's take Dorian Pam while it's still in my head what a great year for young French female drivers last year Lila Wadu um, who had done some WEC LMP2 which is what Dorian is going to do this year picked as a Ferrari effectively a Ferrari factory driver Dorian herself coming through uh, from uh, a brilliant season with the Iron Dames um, it's a good time it's a good time for these these young French drivers it's a fantastic time for young French drivers, and I think it's a fantastic time for uh, for female racing drivers. Many thanks to the Iron Dames project. Yeah. I mean, what the, what they do uh, in so many ways, it's it's very well set up. They have great machinery, and they have great counsel and the team. The team leader, Rachel uh, Fry, is super experienced. She's raced in DTM before. Um, she was an Audi Sport um, customer uh, factory driver for, for a long time and she's really grabbed the obviously being the leader in the car but the leader yeah. on uh, in the in the garage and advising the girls of how to do that I, I love the way that when things didn't quite go as they wanted if somebody was ill or tested positive they were rolling different people through so we've had yeah. Sarah Bovey Michelle Gatting mm. uh, as well as Dorian uh, in their cars and fantastic results for the Iron Dames that is all the brainchild of possibly an unsung hero mm. which is Deborah Mayer mm. now Deborah's a, a former Ferrari racer herself and Ferrari collector very successful businesswoman mm. also now the uh, head of the FIA, FIA Women yeah. in Motorsport Committee oh come oh, back to that in a moment dear. Corvette has had an incident at the West, West Horseshoe and might be I beach there on the curb he could be who's in that car uh, at the moment, it Antonio is Tony Gar Garcia. He's Garcia. had a pretty difficult uh, couple of days with people all around him. There was a prototype involved there as well, which I think was the number 11, which is the quickest of the LMP2 cars. Stephen Thomas uh, in that car. And that is the TDS racing machine. Well, he's got it going. The Corvette's got going uh, back onto the circuit. So yeah, well, that's it's good. Got great off-road capability. This I, I think that was the Corvette <laughs> catching the TDS. Yes, it was. Oh, and Stephen not expecting that and turning in. Well, we've we've heard from one or two LMP2 drivers about uh, how difficult it is sometimes to drive these cars with the changes in performance. 
and quite clearly Tony Garcia with ABS of course mm. on that GTD car able able to break later the slower corners is where all of the prototypes have uh, less grip and in fact their minimum corner speed sometimes are at or slower than the GTD cars even the GTPs as well I want to go back to the point I was making uh, about Deborah, uh, Deborah Meyer. Meyer yeah Deborah Meyer um she put uh, put quite a lot of money up for uh, Prema and for Iron Links, and has financed effectively the engine program for the Lamborghini, which will also net them uh, a new streetcar engine as well. In return for them being the first customers for that car, we'll see them here next year at Daytona, and that's is a car that is being built not sharing interestingly not sharing the Porsche platform which of course Lamborghini is part of the the VAG the Volkswagen AG group that includes Porsche and Audi and Seat and all of those other brands including Bentley and Lamborghini uh, they have gone to Ligier to have their GTP chassis built so we are waiting to see that car uh, running uh, we expect that that will be sometime uh, sometime in May when that car is presented to the public and uh, we should see it running in Europe then and later on this year over here. Let's get back to the pit lane. We'll check out some more times in a moment. Joe Bradley uh, has uh, another victory. Yeah, Carl Kirkwood, the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus uh, in GTD. We've just been watching... Kyle, that, that incident with the, the Corvette and the LMP2 car. And I think that's the key to this race, isn't it? Not That not happening. Yeah, that's the that's part of racing with multi, multi-class, right? I mean, you have situations where some of the bronze guys might be slower than the, than the GTs or GTD or GTD Pro cars. So you got to get by those guys quick to stay in the race, but you also don't want to put yourself in a position where you have a mistake like that and end up damaging your car early on in the race. So you're most likely going to see that kind of situation or those situations happen early on in the race um, and not so much towards the end of the race. So keep your nose clean. It's a huge part of this event, um, as it always is. And right now we're just uh, making sure everything's done properly and we're good to go for the race. All the practice is done. We know where we're at with the car. We're just doing some driver change practice, make sure the car is shooken down nicely for the 24-hour event. Um, but, yeah, we're good to go. I know you've come from karting and single-seaters, etc. Here we are in endurance sports car racing. So is it is it tricky to get around that sort of uh, single-seater mentality of going for every gap, every opportunity, and maybe being a little bit more cautious in this environment? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's difficult, but it is a strange kind of atmosphere because I'm, I've always been so used to sprint racing. And even in my IndyCar stuff, it's like multiple sprint races with a couple of little pit stops right here here it's not really like that you really just want to stay on the lead lap until the end and then once you get about two hours from the end then you're like okay let's go let's see what we've got um so yeah it, it is definitely a different mentality it's easy to drag yourself into a racing situation that you shouldn't be in um where you should probably just be like ah oh, you know what? it's better if i just save fuel and stay behind this guy um it's hard to shut that off, but as as it is for every racing driver, but it's something that you got to be cognizant of. Your your Lexus is getting towards the end of its life. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about the new car that's coming? I uh, honestly, I've I have no clue about that. Well, you're just the driver, uh, you know. 
Yeah, I, I let the engineers do the engineering part, that's for sure. Uh, I just drive whatever they make go quick around the track. But honestly, our, our Lexus RCF GT3 that we have currently is an amazing car. We've had many years to hone in on it. I think it's probably the most reliable car um, coming into this event because there's so many new cars, and, you, you know, there's always going to be gremlins and little issues with new cars. So uh, we have probably one of the oldest cars. But with that being said, it probably is the most reliable. This car was renowned for using its rear tyres, and there's a lot of work gone into the engineering on this car. Yeah, do you have any insight on that one? Yeah, I mean, these guys work nonstop. We probably some of the best engineers here in this in this paddock. You know, I, I have very high confidence with all of them. And coming from Jimmy and Sully, the two team owners, they've uh, they've hired a good group around us, and these guys work tire tirelessly uh, to make sure that this car goes fast. And we have to work in a very small limit so they're only able to work with a couple of little small things and make those better and they constantly make this car better so it's uh it's cool to see it's a great group of guys around us and um i couldn't ask for a better team to be going into this 24-hour race event with thank you kyle great insight thank you for that well i saw tony garcia come into the pit lane and I think he's gone behind the wall, has he? He's not still out. He didn't come in and go back out again, did he? Oh, he has just gone back out again. So uh, a little bit of a look at the front end of that car where the damage was. Also, Heart of Racing, Aston Martin. Uh, Peter just come into the pit lane. Now, did that go to its box or did that uh, no, go behind no, the wall? No, straight behind the wall for the number right. 27, Heart of Racing, Aston Martin. It, it was down on the apron coming around speedway turn three and four and then into the pit lane quite slow so something not uh, not right there uh, for the heart of racing crew but uh, they'll, they'll get on to it i'm sure uh, as as well and um, coming to to corvette talking about their new car i mean they're going to be revealing it in uh, oh about an hour or so's time i think it's 12:45 at the chevrolet uh, daytona experience center actually from our view here in the fifth floor you can see the car under the black cover the 06 or really? uh, gt3 yeah. yeah just down uh, uh behind the the pits near the big rolex uh, oh, yeah, uh yeah. banner and it's sitting with a black cover beside a beautiful c8r z06 uh, uh street car oh yes which i really wish we could get more of in the uk <laughs> would be nice i know we, i know they are coming to the uk but we've, we've uh, got them. greater supply yeah we've got them <laughs> in right hand drive mm. i was seriously considering one of the launch editions because for about Ooh, 80, right. 80 grand, um, that was a heck car. of a lot of performance. Um, but unfortunately, by the time I'd considered it, uh, the opportunity had passed me by. Uh, so, un unfortunately, I, I, as they say, I went another way. Yes, I can see that. Uh, C8R, it is dubbed the uh, Z06, Z06 GT3. It is in a, uh, I'm told, in an uncamouflaged livery, but not necessarily its final livery, sitting next to a, a nice platinum-coloured street car with that sort of boomerang rear wing. The GT3R logo is already illuminated on the Chevrolet building. It's where the TV studio used to be, and my very first time here at uh, Daytona, they weren't using that studio and that's where I watched the start of my very first Daytona 24 from I wasn't working at that race I should say I, I have a very similar story about 50 yards from there I watched my very first Rolex 24 hours from the yes. Wayne Taylor Racing pit box oh, uh, nice. and, and, uh, and which, which at the time was just in time and I remember seeing uh, Ryan Briscoe coming in for his first pit stop and uh, 
watching that and it was, uh, well, I was already long bitten by the bug and that just, uh, the teeth just sunk in that little bit harder. <laughs> I, I seem, had to come back. <laughs> I, seem, I seem to remember I lasted about 24 minutes of the 24 hours uh, being a spectator and uh, the responsible adult then uh, found me some work to do because I was a good getting a bit <laughs> antsy and I, I ended up the uh, Lake, over at Lake Lloyd in what was then the Audi experience uh, doing interviews with the drivers every hour um, which I still could keep in touch with the race and I felt a little more involved me as a spectator at endurance racing um, it's not normally what I do just half an hour gone half an hour to go we've just passed the halfway session let's run you down some times 1.35.9 that Matt Campbell Porsche 963 time still the best in this session just 0.032 back the 31 wheel and engineering acumen Jack Aikens taking that car out Jack announcing it was either late yesterday or early this morning depending on your, your time zone that he's going to concentrate on his sports car career now and has ended his uh, Formula 1 links with uh, it was Williams wasn't it that he was part of their programme. Simon Pagino is out in the Acura number 60, the pole sitting car. 136-1. 136-4 for Dan Cameron. And that's the second of the Acura, uh, second of the Porsches. Then the BMW number 25, Nick Yellowly, Ricky Taylor makes up the top six. Scott Huffaker in LMP2 leads for the number 11 that was the car was involved with the Corvette of course TDS racing yeah, yeah. it yeah. is Maury Krantz uh, in the Duquesne number 13 interesting three Duquesnes at the top of LMP3 although we've not seen the, uh, the all the Ligiers out there as yet uh, in GTD once again it's a GTD standard that is the quickest GTD car Mikhail Grenier who was quick yesterday out in the court off Mercedes ahead of the Pro 79 Daniel Yukadea WeatherTech entered car. Then second is that 63 Lamborghini Roman Grosjean. Mm. Roman Grosjean uh, behind the wheel of the 63. The 64 is next up, which is Matt Plum in the TGM Aston Martin. Uh, Nick Damon is with. Uh, Joe Bradley down in the pit lane. Let's go down to Nick now. Uh, with uh, another Nick, uh, Nick Bull, out of the 87 Fast MDP3. Um, do Canes appear to be the match for the Ligiers here? Is that what you expected? Yeah, I think so. We've been doing a lot of work to get the car kind of in its window, and I feel like we're in a pretty happy place now. The car's super drivable, and compared to where we started at the Roar, which was my first time in a P3 last Friday, I guess. Um, which seems like a month ago, but uh, it's it's a yeah. We've taken several steps forward. Obviously, we know you best the GT driver. What's the transition like to this kind of? Um, I use the word beginner prototype, but you know it's a very different style, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and and I'll say the lucky for me at the past couple of years I've been in, in GT cars, and the P3 actually drives somewhat similarly to a lot of those cars. It's not like a super high-strung P2. It has a bigger window in terms of how you can drive it. Um, and, yeah, the transition's been good. I'm, I'm enjoying being back in a prototype. 
it always seems the P3s are kind of like the, the butt of everyone's you know, uh, ire, shall we say. Oh, it's too slow this part, it's too fast somewhere else. How are you finding it be using it in a multi-class environment? You know, Daytona, no matter what class you're in, is always exciting, pushing through traffic and trying to manage it, manage the car through the whole race. I think um, the way kind of, I guess, class speeds have shaken out this year, it's, been, it's actually been very good um, in terms of the car's pace and moving through traffic. It hasn't been a big issue. Notice you, uh, you're trying a nose change just, uh, just now. Are you still fine-tuning the, the setup, or are you just bedding things in? Uh, mainly betting things in, but you obviously, when you have a limited amount of equipment, you want to see which pieces are best. So, just those little tiny gains. Nick, thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Thanks. Nick Bullet uh, down with Nick Dermott uh, in the pit lane. Obviously, Pete, you weren't here last weekend, but um, oh, I was. I, I was keeping on ta- on tabs, though. Were you? Uh, Good man. <laughs> I was listening while at work. The difference is, the work is preparing to come here. <laughs> Do, doing the prep, yeah. <laughs> the bits that we're talking about, the bits nobody sees. Uh, with Cher yesterday, when they were doing things like the uh, measuring the, the fuel fill times up and down pit lane, and the bit that nobody sees is us poured over uh, websites uh, and driver stats and all that sort of thing. You like Cher, like to write everything down. Um, I, I scribble a few notes and read them on the plane between what we do. Everybody has a different way of doing it. Um, but yeah, the, the interesting part about last weekend was, and, and, and Nick Damon is right when he's talking to Nick Bullet about the the P3s. And I noticed a lot of anti P3 sentiment at the end of yesterday. The simple fact was that on the raw weekend, the P3s were the only prototypes that didn't cause at least one red flag. Now, all right, it's been a bit different this week as the stresses and strains and the pressures of coming towards the Rolex 24 have seen some changes uh, uh, is there a place for them um, in the WeatherTech now that we've got GTD and GTP um, and we've got such a strong GTD field well clearly with the what have we got here we've got uh, nine of them ten of them nine of them um, this, there is demand from the customers, i.e. the teams and the drivers. Absolutely, and we don't know how many on top of that nine asked for an entry. Oh, that's a very good point. Uh, because we, as, as has been well documented, we've, we've had more than the, 60. We started with 60 entries and then Sun Energy 1 got a, a, a late entry. But we've had way more teams ask for that. We don't know what the balance is. We don't know who they were. Uh, and if we did, we would tell you. <laughs> um, you know, because it's quite a secretive process. But the, the, the LMP3 field that we have here, high, high quality, great drivers, great teams. And um, they're a platform that is growing in popularity across across the world. Does it does it fit in the series? Well, uh, that's uh, that's for uh, cleverer people than I to, to decide, I think. The, uh, there's, there's been a conscious effort by IMSA uh, to assist teams and drivers coming into LMP3 and wanting to go into the WeatherTech by mm. bringing up the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. We had two races last weekend. That previously, not the same series, but previously the, the P3s were in a single category race, the IMSA Prototype Challenge. They've added GT4s, GSXs as they're called in, in that particular 
series to that to give those guys an opportunity to understand about multi-class racing before either the GT drivers step up into GT3 or the P3 drivers step up into WeatherTech. I think that's a really sensible idea. Hugely so, hugely so. And, and also, I mean, it's a slightly different mix of cars, but the premise is the same. Michelin Le Mans Cup, getting teams and drivers into that yeah. um, ladder. And we've seen teams, you know, in, okay, in, in the GT3 category, GMB Motorsport, the uh, Danish team uh, led by Kasper Elgard, you know they've they've got that, and they're they're now going to be stepping up to uh, at least European Le Mans series, maybe more, uh, with with an Aston Martin. So that the, the these feeder championships, sanctioned by the official top series, are are great, and you need and their, running on the same weekends. Uh, exactly, yes. You're in the paddock. The drivers and the teams can can converse with the those in the top. Speaking of the top, Scott Dixon, well, one thirty-five point seven. He goes to the top of the times by two tenths of a second. Uh, the, uh, the, sh- the main share of the driving appears to have gone to the full-season drivers of uh, Renger and uh, Renger van der Sander and uh, Sebastian Bourdais. But Scott Dixon, he just never needs very long to just settle himself in here. He is one of the most experienced drivers in history in this race. Uh, won it three times overall, once in class, uh, and uh, yeah, always a plug-and-play driver and. He's always, always fast in those Chip Ganassi machines, no matter what uh, shape or size they come in. And is the default answer to any question that Tim Gray sets us for uh, IndyCar? Uh, it, you know, if you're not sure, it's a bit like Greg Norman used to be, the golf. answer of all the golf uh, <laughs> questions. Uh, it may not be quite so much in favour uh, these days uh, for various uh, points. Greg Norman not... Uh, that's Scott Dixon. Yes, Scott Dixon seems to be the answer of most questions when it comes to to IndyCar. And great to have him back here, the affable Kiwi, of which there are several in this field, with uh, Earl Bamba and uh, Brendan Hartley, among others. Uh, Nick Damon is watching some engineering. Uh, yes. Unlike Bradley, he's unlikely to get the spanners out, but if there's a lump hammer some tie wraps and a mobile phone torch you'd be right in there well in fairness to Magnus Racing and their 44 Aston Martin they've actually been doing it very professionally with the right tools and uh, a lot of very expensive spare pieces of equipment in very very expensive Pelly cases so in fairness it's uh, completely out of my league as far as repairing this particular <laughs> car um, yeah a lot of work going on the front on both sides of the front suspension uh, I didn't get here early enough to see whether it was a spring or a damper change but it wasn't replacing a broken one because they, were, they changed both sides and there are two discarded springs of a red 140 nanometer size, and the springs that are now on the shock absorbers are grey. Uh, and that's the information I have for you. But it sounds like they might be doing a very late spring change. So um, no need to get you. I know that that's, uh, they're running a British car, but I don't think your Whitworth spanners, mate, will, will work with that one. They don't work with anything, Whitworth. It's very depressing. I have a complete set. But AF, still the way to go. I've still got my Whitworth spanners as well. <laughs> Can't bring myself to take them away, to throw them away. Thank you, Nick. I do have a very good spring story that uh, none other than five-time Daytona 24-hour winner Hurley Haywood told me. He's, I said uh, I asked him. Uh, I, I said Peter Gregg was was known as a, a, a very good at being very good at mind games. And mm. he said, I said, what was the best Peter Gregg mind game that you that you saw? And this is a 50th anniversary of when they won that race too. Overall, the car is here. Um, and he said the best one I ever saw was that at the time Porsche had different color schemes for the spring. So say a 20-pound spring was green and uh, uh, or green and white, and then a 50-pound spring was red and blue or whatever. And he actually he. Changed, he changed all the colour schemes no. around. He made it, yes, he made his own colour schemes, and of course, all the other Porsche teams 
wanted to know how Peter Gregg made his 9-11 go so fast. And uh, so, but then, of course, then they went out and they had the car kind of all over the place on setup because they they got completely fooled by this. And uh, they came out to Harley and said, "What what is it?" And they just and Harley just sort of gave them winks. Maybe just go and have a check and just put them on a put them on the scales. And uh, uh, and, and uh, the game the game was up shortly after that. But that that was quite a funny one that he told that, me about at the Springs. That thing to Greg, he just drives completely differently. Problem yeah. for the Iron Dames. Lamborghini, Rahel Frey behind the wheel, just running a tiny bit long, just a car's width long into the Western Horseshoe and getting four Michelins on the grass, but Rahel is experienced enough not to let that face her. She's straight back onto the racetrack and has continued. No panic there, no jumping on the brake pedal. 15 minutes of this one-hour session to go still. A short session later on today after our Friday feature race for the GTPs alone. Make sure you tune in for that on 107.9 RS2 via IMSA Radio on RS2 via IMSAradio.com or RadioLeMond.com. And uh, up to the top of the times, we have a New fastest lap, in fact, first and second now for Cadillac, Peter. Yes, um, that's the number 31 of Alexander Sims, 135.493, going over two-tenths of a second quicker than his colleague Scott Dixon in the uh, sister Chip Ganassi car, the Zero One. That's the yellow uh, machine, the Action Express, of course, in their traditional red. The first of the Porsches is car number seven. Uh, Felipe Nazar now taking his turn on board after Matt Campbell set that quick time earlier on. The 23 Heart of Racing Aston Martin is in the pits and I'm with Ross Good, one of the drivers. Uh, Ross, this this one hour session, uh, what I'm seeing is just kind of going through the programme, bedding in brakes I think is uh, why the car is in now, is that right? Yeah, to be honest, we um, to be honest, we've, this has been probably the best preparation we've had for the Daytona race in many years. So we feel like we've carried out all of the program that we want to run. Uh, today we wanted to use as a bit of an installation for new parts that went on the car overnight in preparation for the race. Um, just running through several procedures, uh, making sure that the crew and everybody is is up to speed with the pit stops because that's going to be vital in the race. So, yeah, it's nice to turn up on Friday with um, a little bit less pressure than in previous years and, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the race. We were chatting amongst ourselves earlier and we were just sort of speculating how easy is it to get drawn into this, well, let's just change X, Y, Z, let's just change this, let's just change that at this stage because surely that car now is the car you're going to race tomorrow. Yeah, exactly that. You can get lost sometimes by going down avenues to change as many things as possible and um, luckily we're not in that position we have a solid balance all three drivers are happy I think the 27 drivers are happy so yeah we, we're, we're in the position where we don't want to fiddle with too much and um, I think that could be a good move and preparation on a, on a human level what sort of night will Ross Gunn have tonight <laughs> hopefully as much as possible um, yeah, early to bed, unfortunately, no uh, no late dinners or anything, So, and then quite an early start tomorrow with briefings and meetings and strategy meetings, so it's going to be a pretty full-on 48 hours. Yeah, as ever. Do you know anything about the 27 car and why it uh, slowed down and went behind the wall? 
I think they were betting in brakes and doing other things. I don't think there was uh, an issue, so hopefully for that car they're okay. Thanks, Ross. Great stuff. Good luck. Joe Bradley, Ross Gunn, Heart of Racing. They were uh, racing at Dubai in an AMG GT. And they're going to be doing more of that. Turn one, stopped prototype. I think that's What's GDC. It is at the GDC, the yes. 85. Yes, it is. LMP3. So who's behind Till. the wheel Be of that? Bechtel. Till Bechtelsheimer. Finding it uh, a little harder than I think he was expecting to transition from GT to LMP3. Had a, I think they had an engine problem yesterday, didn't they? And that nipped up on Till. And we wondered if that would dent his confidence a little bit. But good to see him out. A GT driver of some repute. Winner of Petit Le Mans, of course, with Gradient at the end of last season. Yes, he was. Yeah, and uh, we heard from, um, from the team that it was a, 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 an oil pump failure. Ooh. Which, of course, yeah, it's gonna, that's, that's not, not optimal at all. So, um, yeah, it's a shame, shame for them. Um, but great to see them back out again, and uh, like you say, great to get uh, not let that get get them down and get back out on track and break that break that confidence barrier and get it up. Down at the uh, pit lane, it's almost halfway uh, with the inception number ten McLaren. It's Ollie Milroy. Um, Ollie, first of all, ploughing a lonely furrow with McLaren. Is that an advantage or a disadvantage in these worlds of uh, BOP? There's a what? Sorry, oh, we're the only one. Um, I think uh, we weren't last year, and we're running the same. We're 10 kilos heavier than we were last year. You know, there were two. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Big Christmas. Um, no, so, so you know, the uh, IMSA have kept us pretty consistent with what we had last year when there were two McLarens here. Obviously, they've got a load of race data, so IMSA feel that we're where we should be. So um, uh, we've not played any games at all. We ran light in qualifying. Um, we've run our... You know, we've run on our BOP all week, and um, I think we've all seen that IMSA really respect that. Uh, so they want everyone to show their hands. So, yeah, so so um, we're, we're, we're all ready for the race. And after showing your hand, where do you feel you are? Uh, I think we're really strong. Um, I'm not, sh not sure we're necessarily the fastest car over one lap, but we've definitely got a really good race car. Um, we're really good in sector three, which is where it counts from a from a racecraft point of view. So um, the car feels, you know, we said in our debrief last night, we made a lot of work with the with this with the setup over the week, and the car feels the best we've ever felt. So we're really really excited to get going now. That's a very good point about being quick in sector three. I mean, so you, you actually will tune the car to be fast in that part of the track, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine there are many cars in the pit lane not running minimum downforce. You know, it's. It's, yeah, the middle sector, it's nice to have a bit of strength there. And, you know, as drivers were all saying, oh, we wish we had a bit more traction or something. But ultimately, this place is, is all about the racing around the banking and, and your straight line speed. Um, and that's why it's important also to not get any damage throughout the race. You get a hole in the front bumper or you damage your front splitter. It's going to be really hard work when it's uh, like door-to-door -door racing at the end of the race because you need every bit of slipstream that you can get, you know, every... Every ounce of uh, aero efficiency uh, is really important. So is this track one of the biggest compromises of any track you go to, like bigger than Le Mans, or is it just simply you know, we run low downforce and that's actually easier? Um, it's, it's very similar to Le Mans. I'd say the difference at Le Mans is you've then got some really high-speed corners to deal with, like the Porsche curves and Indianapolis and stuff, where 
where you kind of think, oh, I wish we had some rear wing now. <laughs> um, whereas here, we've got low speed corners, so the hairpins and stuff where you don't really need a downforce anyway. Um, the only place the car's quite hard work is through the bus stop because obviously it's third, fourth gear, really high speed and thing moves around a lot. But, but you would sacrifice the downforce there any day of the week to have the top speed coming over the start finish line. So, great stuff, Ollie. Best of luck for the race on Forge. You've got a red flag out on track, John. Uh, and something you never like to see, a race car pointing and driving in the wrong direction uh, on the racetrack. Now a flick turn. It is the pole sitting number 60, Acura, that had a spin going down into turn one. Is it going out of the pits? Uh, it was shown in the pit lane. So it, uh, I think that was a spin going out of the pits, Peter. And that, that's very un Elio Castroneves like, that's for sure. He's the, normally the master on cold tyres. I had he? a chat Something with him. strange there. Yeah, and, and that's not where the pit lane speed limit comes off. No. Uh, you, it doesn't come off until you're heading through towards turn three, the International Horseshoe. Had a chat with Elio about that. He says that cold tyres out of the pit lane is going to be the toughest part of the race right across this race weekend, particularly in the quiet. So I think he was heading out of the pit lane. Uh, and uh, yes, he was, and has oh, completely looped it in the pit lane. I think he might have just brushed the wall on driver's right with the right rear. No room to turn it around there, so he drove back contra race on the grass, not on the pit lane to start with. Not sure how that'll be viewed, if I'm honest. He stayed on the grass to minimise the danger, but then he's driving wrong direction under power down the pit lane for quite a distance until he gets back into the substantive part of the pit lane where the advent health logo is on what should be driver's left but he, he did drive back slowly but i think you might have to have a talking to about that uh, driving contra race is a big no-no under pace unless you've been cleared to do so by race control Especially in a, a pit lane that's as a pit lane exit that's as narrow as that as well, walls either side, and I don't think you would have got permission so quickly. It was almost straight away. That's a, that's a strange one. That is a very strange one uh, there from Elio. Sorry, I mean Elio's one of the most experienced drivers in the field as well. It's very strange. Nick, are you still down the pit in end of things? Uh, you might want to look on the right rear uh, of that. Uh, Oh, it's Joe Bradley that's at pit in, and he's just lining up an interview. Uh, a new set of Michelin tyres, or at least the right rear tyre is going on. No, it is a new set for the last few minutes when we go back to green, which will happen in a moment. I just can't... There's a crew member just having a look at the end plate and the bodywork behind the right rear Michelin tyre on that Auto Nation Acura. Uh, we'll wait for the green flag to come out in a second. Alex Lynn has joined Joe Bradley in the pit lane. Yeah, Alex, we're just looking at uh, next door, actually. They're just not far up the road, that Acura pit, isn't it? Um, all sorts going on there. Uh, how happy is Alex Lynn at this stage? Uh, I think as happy as we can be, to be honest. Uh, we've got a fast car with the zero two. 2 uh, I've got two really fast teammates, and I think our car's in a nice window for tomorrow. Um, and We know these cars are brand new, quite literally. Um, you've got an extra session this afternoon. Is, I would imagine all sessions are very important at this stage. 
Um, they are. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to take part in that one because I think, you know, touch wood, we're in a nice place, so we just want to make sure our car's A1 for tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Every single time the car goes out, it's in a very important run, and we're just trying to learn a lot. Yeah, but what that brings then is, like, a, a temptation to change things at this stage, and that's not something that you want to do, I would imagine. Yeah, but the thing is, with a brand-new car, you're always finding big steps on setup big steps on speed so from our side it's important to try stuff now and i think we've got a really wide range of tools available to us that we need to tune in and it's it's a race against time to get the car ready for the race what what's the uh, what's the big differences then with the gtps and the the dpis from last year well, I mean, the main thing is the hybrid, the uh, the hybrid technology and the regen, uh, brake by wire. You know, there's a lot more tools now to the driver's disposal to optimize performance and change the car balance. So, it's a whole new skill set needed for a driver to be able to optimize this uh, this hybrid car. And are you changing settings around the lap, Alex? Uh, yeah, quite a few around the lap, but also. We try and program in the car to learn a lot of stuff itself. So it's uh, it's a much about the engineering talent we have on the pit stand as much as the driving talent in the car. So settings, computer settings, software, all of that, before you even turn a wheel, that's important. It's, it's now the name of the game on these hybrid cars. Um, whether it's a Formula 1 car, Formula E, now the GTP era, like these hybrid cars, they're so advanced and sophisticated. And there's so many more things you can do now as soon as you add a hybrid powertrain because it changes a lot of the dynamics of what a car can do that an internal combustion engine on its own can't do. And so old school, old school engineering briefings, talking about ride height and cambers and casters and stuff, is that now all superseded by what you've just said? It's now just part of the conversation. I mean, you've got now the raw setup of the, of the car and now you've got the software behind it, which has as big of an impact on the car setup as as the actual raw chassis itself. And you're looking forward to this, aren't you? You're looking forward to the start of this season. Yeah, it's it's a brand new era. Um, it's it's really really exciting. You know, it's really nice to come to work every day and make huge steps on development um, and just unlocking big chunks of lap time. Which, you know, it's not often that you get to make big steps like that. Fabulous, Alex. I know I'm far too excited at this stage. Thanks, man. Great explanation there mm. by Alex Lynn down with uh, Joe Bradley. couple of big penalties. Uh, first of all for the number 83. And Dim's uh, and uh, Two red flags. Uh, took two red flags. So went around did an extra lap. That's a stop plus 60 seconds. Uh, as we uh, thought it might be, Elio Castroneves driving the wrong way in pit lane, underpowered. He was still in the pit lane. He wasn't on the the track. Uh, that has attracted a stop and five minutes. Now, Simon Pagino has taken the car out uh, and can do three laps before he comes in to do that. So they probably will get to the end of this session before they have to park that car. He's parking up now in the penalty box, so this will be the session over for the number 60, Marashank Acura. Uh, uh, Has he, does he have to serve the rest of it well, later on? I was going to say, with only a minute and nine seconds left when he pulled into the penalty box, I'm not sure how that will be mm. seen by race control. They may extend that. They have, at their discretion, the ability to 
take penalties from one session and put them into the start of the next. Now, there is, fortunately for them, there is another session before the race. That's the GTP-only session later on. All the penalty could have been pushed through into the race, and that's the pole-sitting car. So they may be parked for part of the evening session after our uh, race this afternoon. We'll see if that comes up, because they're only going to get a minute of that five-minute penalty that was being assessed for driving the wrong way in pit lane. 23 seconds to go in this session. Peter McKay and John Hindoff on the fifth floor. It's been Nick Damon and Joe Bradley down in the pit lane. It's two Cadillacs from a Porsche, from an Acura, from another Cadillac, the first of the Chip Ganassi-run Cadillac racing cars. Second of the Porsches, BMW, Acura, BMW. The nine cars within two seconds and in fact eight of the nine cars and this has been the story really right since the practice running in the raw last weekend the majority eight out of nine normally of the gtps at or, or under a second the second bmw the number 24 car gustav farfus has pitted that car that is another second further back from the rest of the field quite clear that these GTPs are still being adjusted, tinkered with, learned in race conditions. Last weekend was the first time that they ran with other cars on the track. Checkered flag is out, by the way. Mathieu Jaminet has seen that in the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport machine. The six, by the way, is the one with the white pinstripe, so the Salzburg colours for those of you who know those cars, and the whites flash on the side the seven exactly the same design colorway but those pinstripes on the front of the car and over the roof are in black and therefore there's a black swoosh on the side let's pick up a few interviews at the end of that session nick damon with nicole jensen out of the uh, the 11 um the fastest p2 car well it's the fastest in the session how, how do you feel overall the development the car has gone during the well these last 10 days yeah, it's been a lot of driving the last 10 days. Um, we always try to improve the car. The track is changing a lot here. The temperatures are changing a lot. So it's always hard to, to get the perfect car. But we, we try to stick to our philosophy. We need to have a good car when it's hotter in the daytime to, to win this race. So we do everything we can to have the best car for, for Sunday. Yeah, and tomorrow is going to be, and tomorrow and Sunday are going to be hotter than it's been the last couple of days. So do you feel you'll be chasing the car or do you have enough knowledge of... of yeah, the, the point you want to be at each temperature area. I'm quite confident the team is doing what they have to do with the setup. So, um, yeah, we just have to stay clean. It's 24 hours. Uh, I've been in this race twice, never managed to get fully to the end. So this is what we have to do this year. I mean, one of the key things really is, is, I mean, is it a case where you actually won't get involved in a, a, a 22 hours, just try and get there and race the last two hours? Is that the mentality you have to have? Not 100%, I would say. You have to put some pressure on the competitors. You have to stay in the lead. Track position is important. We have 10 cars this year in P2, so you can't just uh, chill around for 22 hours, I think. Um, I would more say the first 12 hours, you have to just be in the race. And then the last half, you just have to always be up front, maintain your track position, and, uh, and then obviously you race the last couple of hours. There you go. Thanks a lot. Let's go to Joe Bradley. We've heard from... Uh, Alexander Sims, who's the fastest driver in that session. Uh, and he's moved up the pit lane a little bit to Matt McMurray, Joe. Yeah, crowd strike by Al Algarve Pro Racing, of course, the 04. Matt, just going to jump in. 
and uh, behind you. Um, so, well, so that is your practice runs done. You're all set for the race. Yeah, we're all set. We've uh, got a lot of good running, really representative of how we're going to run the race. A lot of, like really every condition, rain, night, cold tires, hot tires, cold brakes, hot brakes. Um, so we've kind of seen everything now, so we're all, we're all ready. So you're ready for whatever th- is thrown at you? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So you, you must be looking forward to getting this one under, under the belt. It's the start of a new racing season and all. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's always a pleasure to drive a P2, and especially this P2 with uh, CrowdStrike Racing by APR. Uh, it's a great car. Uh, we just keep getting better and better, and we're all, we're all really excited and ready for the race. How, how exciting is it? You've got a great driver lineup. You're in a very strong position. You know, Stuart puts a great team together. So is it hard not to get overly excited about, you know, such a long race, anything can happen? I mean, I'm always excited for this race. Uh, Stuart's looking at him with them, them eyes from about seven foot tall up. Stuart's making sure I say something good. Uh, <laughs> no, but everything... Don't let him intimidate you. <laughs> uh, he's a big guy. It, every, everything's all good. I think we're, you know, we're excited, but at the same time we're kind of calm because we've, we've seen everything. We're ready. We feel well prepared. Uh, so we're just ready to get started. All right, mate. I'll let you go and get some rest. Thanks, Matt. Some extraordinary times, Peter, in that session that you were just noting while Nick and Joe were talking there. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the LMP2 uh, time from Mikael Jensen, 138.0. That's two and a half seconds quicker than than the pole time uh, there as well. Now, of, of course, that, that, that pole time set by Ben Keating, who we know is one of the fastest bronze drivers in the world. But still, it's it's the pace is really hotting up. I think the drivers are well aware that there is a a packed grid full of superstars in LMP2 and uh, yeah fantastic also the Lamborghinis have just made gentle progress throughout the practice session since the roar Uh, in uh, second in GTD Pro third of the GTD cars in general Lamborghini the number 63 Iron Lynx car the green car the pro car uh, they've found some great pace and the Lamborghinis in general are always climbing up the leaderboard so uh, with a brand new car that's really impressive from, from Iron Lynx and the Lamborghini teams That's Peter Mackay uh, it was Nick Damon and Joe Bradley down in the pits I'm John Hindoff. thank you very much to all of our technical assistants uh, Rob was uh, on the uh, on duty up in London, over in London, to uh, get us to the world. Whether you're here at the track on 107.9 FM or further afield, thanks for being with us. One more session for the Michelin WeatherTech Sports Car Championship GTP cars only, and that's after our feature race this afternoon. So don't go, go too far away uh, from trackside if you're here or from your radio or streaming device if you are further afield. More extensive coverage live from Daytona International Speedway coming up on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV this afternoon. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.